Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It is July 29th, 2020. This is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a home before dark podcast. Already cracked mine open. I am Tim Herb, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Kevin Bradley. This way, to my to my right. And Good evening, gents. Right, to his right, we have uh, Daniel James. A rare, a rare back-to-back a appearance. Back-to-back by just the like, man, the myth, the legend. Just He's like real. back-to-back, uh, no goals. <laughs> you forgot the third back. Back to back to back. That uh, that's, well, actually, it's back to back to back to back. If you count yeah. Club America, uh, I don't know. Does that count anymore? What happens? Yeah, are they going to unsuspend and resume? I guess resume is the right word. Uh, that anyway. Thank no. you guys for joining us on this impromptu Wednesday night. We are uh, without games now. Again, we have MLS oh, games, but we don't have Atlanta United games. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's a hell but of a time. We have a really fun show for you guys tonight. We're opening it up for everybody to join in. If you would like to join the broadcast tonight, shoot us an email. Um, you can do that at show at get home before dark.com, or you can shoot us a DM on Twitter and we will share the, uh, the StreamYard link with you, and you can jump in and hang out with us. And we got a lot to talk about tonight. So, boat's been rocked, so to speak, in Atlanta United front office, back office, front of house, front yard, backyard, all over the place. So, if you guys want to jump in, talk with us, we got a couple of DMs uh, over the weekend. We had mentioned it, a couple people that aren't going to be able to make it. But uh, again, if you're interested, just shoot us an email. That's at show at gethomebeforedark.com. And I will be manning the inbox tonight and I will sh- grant access to anybody that wants to join. So, yeah. Brian Daniels left a comment about an 40 minutes before we started recording. He said, This show better be fucking epic. So, I'm, I'm having to cut short a bunch of nerd conspiracy theory BS in order to commune with quote-unquote entitled fans of a flash-in-the-pan team. Just kind of setting the tone tonight. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, so, if you guys are listening to us on iTunes, 
Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, what have you. Leave us a rating and or a review. As always, we will read it live on the show whenever we get them, whatever it says, no matter the stars. And if you don't have a webcam, that's okay. Um, you can join with just audio, I believe. I don't think you need to have um, a camera. So it's up to you. Again, it's at show at gethomebeforedark.com. So can I ask you guys a question? Well, I'm going to anyway. I don't know why I'm asking. Yeah, why uh, ask permission? <laughs> so when there's been a lot of different reactions to um, Frank being let go or mutually released or whatever, how? what was your initial gut reaction when you heard the news? I don't like it, and I still don't like it. My, my reaction like has not changed. I, I think I can rationalize it a little bit more now, but my gut reaction was I, I'm, I don't like the decision based on the precedent it sets. I, I've, I've never been a fan of the coaching carousel culture, like that you have a coach in, whether it's in college football or any other sport that you have them in for, and, and they mess up for a, a string of, you know, a half dozen games or whatever it is. And it's like, they're gone. I mean, it's just, it's an unrealistic expectation and even more so, considering the environment that the league and the world is in right now. That's, that was my knee jerk reaction, Tim. No, it's the same. I can't say that. So it was weird. I think, like you said, Dan, if you're, the question is initial gut reaction. And my initial gut yeah. reaction was yikes. Like I, that, that's really it. I mean, it's, I, I was not happy with it just because, and I want to say it was Bill Holcomb. Uh, trap star regular that put it pretty eloquently the other night about whenever people were calling for Frank's head, it's like now is not the time to make a decision like that just because there's nothing genuine to really base it off of in terms of, in terms of performance or like games that really matter. Um, but I don't know the more I've thought about it, like it sounds really weird, but the less attached I am to it, like the more I just, I have this mindset now of like, he's not a part of the team. Let's get to the point where we're not talking about him anymore. Like, right. Thank right. you for what he did, which was in his yeah. first season, take us to an Eastern Conference Championship and lose Campione's to a Cup World and Open yeah. Cup. <laughs> yeah. And lose to a goal that Nick DeLeon's never going to score again, even on a training ground. And, and that's, it is what it is. What about you, Dan? What was your initial reaction? Cause you were the one that sent us the group text and I was, I think I was on a conference call. I was like, what? The <laughs> so I have not been on the FDB out train at all. Um, I would like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, but when I heard the news, I was like, Oh shit. I, I was, I'm actually kind of excited about it. Um, I don't, I push back on the, the coaching carousel because it's just one incident of it happening. I don't, if there was like a couple, like if you look at Birmingham City and that is like a hot seat of just trash yeah. um, that's happening. But I kept on, I remember I was having a conversation with one of my uh, friends at work and he said, no matter, and I think FDB should be looked at his tenure should be looked at as a success because I believe it was because we won trophies and that's what we're here to do. That's what the club's there for. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't the exciting attacking 
flair that we were used to under Tata. Now, I think it was a level of trying to mature that and to become a better team, but I don't think Frank ever really reached its pinnacle of where it was going to be that. Um, so I was excited to hopefully get back to something that's very exciting. Uh, like when I mentioned last week, as soon as Almiron got the ball, you got like a um, butterflies in your stomach just to see him flying up there. But I was, I was excited. Um, I was like, oh, I really want this um, run and gun product to watch even and so yeah that's how i was kevin yeah, we got uh what do you want to let pierce into the into the what, if people are if people are queued yeah up, pierce is on, uh, he's sitting you want me to add him to the stream yeah people are if people are queued up we can start bringing him in pierce hey what's hey, up baby, how are you long yeah. time no see back how you yeah doing, finally <laughs> good well, good to have you in here yeah. No, I agree with what Dan was just saying about Frank. I think it's tough right now, especially in the fan base. You're like, was he a success? Was he not? But I think technically he was, but only in title only. I mean, we won two <laughs> championships, but like no one can say the style of soccer we were playing in 2019 was as enjoyable as 2018 or 2017. And I know people are talking right now about like whether it's fair to just blame it all on Frank or the front office for the players that they sold. But I feel like we haven't even got a great opportunity to see like Rosetto or these new players play in a comfortable system to say that they're downgrades yet. So I have totally a couple agree. of points to that. Totally so agree. I, I, I agree with the style of play, but you know what I like more than whatever style of play that they're playing is winning games. And last year, the team managed to win enough games to be in a really great position at the end of the season and win multiple trophies. I don't care what style of soccer you're playing if you're winning games and ending up in a position to take on another cup run. Did they do it? No. But ultimately, I think last season was a success. This season. I think we can all agree that the circumstances are a little bizarre. And ultimately, if you want to talk about exciting football and exciting players to watch, you have a record signing in Pitti Martinez, who, regardless of what coach you've got, is underperforming on a massive level right now. Mm -hmm. Like those are my issues is that regardless of the manager, the manager isn't going to play the game for the players. And I think that's what I've kind of come to terms with over the past week or so is that I've seen all the reports and talks about players leaving and it seems like it's a good move just because Frank kind of lost the locker room. And I think that there's a cultural divide in between who he is as an individual and who the players are as individuals. And I think that that's more meaningful, meaningful to the club rather than the X's and O's or whether it's exciting to watch or not. He's getting results. I don't care about that aspect of the game. It's what's happening with the personnel groupings and you kind of get on a slippery slope from that standpoint too. But ultimately the players are going to have to play the game no matter what. Right. I think it's interesting that I've never supported a team before that has like a very strong put together and conscious brand um, like Atlanta United does. And I feel that it's, I feel that we have to, it's what I'm realizing with the reaction from the fan base is it's not that we win games, although I always want us to win games. It's, it's how we're winning games. 
Um, and I want to be, I feel like I'm with you, PS. I want to be entertained. Entertain me. Yeah, I think we could tell from, and from last year at the stadium, I invited like a lot of new people when I was going. And the environment was just, obviously we're a little worse. That's a big part of it. But it was just a little deader than it was in 2018 and 2017. And I think that like as crazy as this sound, I don't think it is, we did technically get results as you said, but I think that it wasn't exciting enough. And at the end of the day, the reason we're all here and we all fell in love with the team was for the excitement. So yes, technically we won, but like, are we going to, you know, in the off season when, or when the pandemic happened and we were bored out of our minds, we weren't going back to watching the 2019 games. If we were watching anything, we were looking for those 2017, those 2018 games that thrilled us. Dude, I stand by the fact that that Campione's Cup win is one of the most exciting games that I've ever been a part of. Whether it's, I mean, even I would, I would hold that up alongside our MLS Cup run the year prior. Like it's, it was a phenomenal game and a phenomenal atmosphere to be a part of. I totally agree with that. I thought it was amazing. but it, I feel like that environment was a little different because I agree. The, exactly. And we had like the, the types of referees that were going to help support that type of, of soccer. Uh, yeah. Whereas, you know, MLS, we just don't have some of the referees. We don't have the experience that we're looking for. We lost Kevin somewhere along the way. Not right. sure where so, he went. There he goes. Yeah, sorry. I've got a lot of windows open to keep refreshing <laughs> for the inboxes and stuff like that. So, uh, if you do got, I just rage quit. Sorry, <laughs> opponent, <laughs> opponent has left the game. Uh, if you guys want to join in with Pierce and anybody else, show at gethomebeforedark.com or shoot us a DM. Uh, home before dark. That's bef- before spelled being the number four on Twitter. Pierce, I have a question for you. They're, they're talking about in the trap whether or not you think that the fans' uh, voices had any influence in, in Frank's departure. And, and another question that I have and I, I wanted to get to everybody about is how much – they do say mutually agreed, right? How much of it seeing his body language – how much do you think is – do you think it's 50-50? Do you think it's 60-40? How much is Frank wanting to leave versus the team wanting him out? I think that in terms of your second question, I think if – probably was mutual. I think it was probably 50-50. I think his stock wasn't going to get any higher. So, like, he wasn't going to rebound in 2020. We'd just be okay. Uh, he won. Right now, Europe is just – they're just hiring coaches now anyway. So, this is the peak time for him to go if he's going to get another job. You know, Tata had, like, these two years and then options for an extension. So, if weren't leaning towards extending him, it kind of worked out for everyone. In regards to the fans' voices, I am someone who never have believed that. But what I will say, particularly about our fan base, we were particularly loud about, compared to MLS, about wanting him out. And I think it was the combination of the fans not being happy, Joseph Pitty walking out, the players not being happy, it was just a little too much. Okay, so let me let me pose another question. Uh, there's been a lot made about the style of play between Frank and Tata, right? About exciting soccer to watch versus boring soccer. What if the results aren't happening, but the players are playing just like they were under Tata? What do you do? You let go of the coach then? Like that's that's a that's a question that this fan base may 
reasonably have to answer is that if you have a South American coach that's going to want to play under that style, but somehow it's not successful for whatever reason, and you're not winning games, I, I don't, I just, I think it's, again, I think it's a slippery slope and the precedent that it sets, I think is my biggest concern is like, what, where do you draw the line? Yeah, I think it's like what Frank said, we're a little spoiled. I think just like a lot of big teams in other leagues, we want both and we don't really settle for, well, if we win, it's fine any way we win. It's like we want to win and be attacking. So if we had another coach and maybe we finished like fourth in the East, but we were exciting as hell, I think if we were close, I think the fans would be fine. Um, But I think if we were playing exciting soccer, but we were Orlando – then it's like, you know, then we probably wouldn't be uh, excited about it. But I think we want both. It may be asking for yeah. a lot. That's what we want. Yeah, I don't – part of me, Tim, correct me, but I don't think – like Liverpool were great to watch the past few years with Klopp. And if they had just been winning, you know, 1-0 and not played in very exciting ways but still achieved the success that they have just uh, – have succeeded i don't think as many people would have be be buying into liverpool at that um at that level yeah i i think it probably comes down to you know that that style the that the style in which you win definitely defines the it puts a mystique around your team whenever you're successful and you can think about pretty much any league if you think about like i i i look back at NBA stuff because I'm a huge basketball fan and the teams that have an aura around them of invincibility are the teams, you know, the dynastic teams like the Bulls or the the two Rockets teams or um, the Golden State Warriors teams. They're all super exciting to watch. They played a fun brand of, of basketball. But then you think back to like the Pistons. I mean, the, I mean, you had the bad boys teams, but then you also have the Spurs and then the, the later Pistons under Larry Brown that were really boring defensive teams that were super dominant whenever they did play that people probably don't think about as much. And they probably were not as excited, especially if you think about like for the league, if you even take that, that out of um, if you take the fans of that team out of the equation and you look at it from like an objective standpoint of people who like watching the game. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, most of the people are not going to want to tune in and they're, it's going to, you know, those swing games and those that, that are coming on TV, people are probably not going to be as likely to watch. It's not as good for the league. I don't know if I was going too, down too much of a tangent or too much of a rabbit hole, but like that's for both the team and, and people that are, you know, on the fringes, it definitely doesn't help things. I don't think. Yeah, I, um, oh my gosh. I think it comes back to like the fun, one of the fundamental concepts that is Atlanta United. One of the goals is to become a globally recognized brand. And you're not going to do that playing the way we were playing, even though it was an unfinished system. Um, you're going to get more attention if you are an exciting team and win rather than uh, so, and not as entertaining team. Can I ask a, Can I ask another follow-up question? Because again, I, this comparison is important and it's important that we all boil down what, what the key components of, of exciting football was versus boring football, right? And a big part of that, aside from the manager, are the players that were playing in the system. So what was the most ex- what were the most exciting pieces in that Tata run? 
because I would stand to argue that the pieces that made that exciting football to watch are no longer there in the team as it stands currently. And who's going to fill that role? Because as far as I've seen, regardless of the person that's managing them, aside from Barco and Joseph and Miles Robinson at the back, I don't know who really lights up the field in a way whenever they're given the opportunity that you say, wow, this is really exciting to watch regardless of the system. Or it's, you know, that's what, that's what I think we need to figure out here. So, I would say pity would be so when we played against the Red Bulls, he was very exciting. I thought he played great. Um, I also think, like you've already said, last Barco, year, but no, again, um, the when we last played the Red Bulls three games ago, oh, okay, I thought pity was great then. I think Brooks Lennon could be up there because he's racing up and down the pitch all the time, throwing in crosses. Um, man, I love a Miles Robinson. The, the middle of the field, though, the, the the huge amount of midfielders, though, there's there hasn't been someone who's really exactly pushed their time. <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, yeah, but you can't compare that because there just hasn't been enough time. Like, I think Jan's been on the pitch for a total of maybe 90 minutes. So, so there hasn't been Atlanta enough time United for Korea. the players, but there's been enough time for the coach. Like, that's again, it's like this is where I'm getting into semantics here, where it's like there hasn't been enough time, but some of these players have been there for more than just a couple of games and they're not really performing very much. And I think that there's a big hole in the personnel groupings as much as there may be in the system that's being employed by them. But yeah. I think they performed last year and they didn't perform this year. Well, they performed last year because there was Darlington Nagby cementing them in the midfield. And before that, right. it was more Miguel Almiron. And again, it's right, just the lack of somebody the, there right now, I think. Yeah, but the, exactly. So the players we have haven't had enough time. Like Rosetto, Castro, um, they haven't just had any time to really play so for then, the team. So, then is it, so do you put that on the player or on the manager? I mean... I, because now we're talking about the player hasn't had enough time to develop, but the coach's system is flawed. You see what I'm getting at here? It's like we're, we're getting rid we're getting rid of a manager because it's not exciting football, but the players haven't enough time had enough time but to develop it, yeah, but in any system. Been, so what, how do you know? Been, yeah, but it hasn't been exciting football since he took over. Generally speaking. No, okay, so it hasn't been. So again, I go back to the same question: Is like last year it was more exciting because we had Darlington Nagby here? Is that what we're saying? More exciting uh, than Tata? Exactly. Like, that's what I'm getting at is like the personnel groupings under Tata are completely different than they have been since. So it's not as much as it is just the manager as it is the people playing the game. I see what you're saying, but. What Pierce, know, Pierce, Pierce, Pierce was trying to, was trying to yeah, jump go in. Ahead, Pierce. Yeah, I'm going to, you know. I disagree for the most part, but I do super agree with Kevin's point that he just made and that, you know, it is not all Frank's part. It is a big part on the players that we brought in uh, 2019, why we didn't perform. I What I think about a lot is that, like, we have, like, no top quality wingers anymore since we've gotten – first we got rid of Yamil, then we got rid of Tito and Gressel, and those are the people who are going to have that exciting, fast soccer that we didn't replace. So we just had pity and because we've always had – midfielders who were not creative sparks gonna you know excite the crowd or anything like that so i definitely see your point kevin but i think for the most part i think it was just frank's style 
added on that he didn't want to evolve and a couple of misplaced player choices by the front office. I, I think that I, I genuinely think that the biggest issue has less to do with exciting versus boring football. And the ultimate reason why he left is based on a cultural difference between and a personality difference between him and the players on the field. And that's, that's where I come back to is that whenever you start looking at all these different parts and pieces and whichever way you want to cut it about comparing him versus Tata or this player versus that player, like you're ultimately grasping at straws in some regard. And I think that the one thing that I can come back to that was at a impasse was the way that he carried himself and he wanted to manage this team versus the players that he was managing and their personalities were ultimately at odds with one another. And you can't manage a team if there isn't that synthesis between the two. Sure. No, I totally agree. But at the end of the day, it, it affects the end product. I agree. Like the end product is what you're selling. Right. So if absolutely, if you, if you have those impasses, you can't communicate effectively. Uh, people are irritated with other, it, it affects the end product. And I think, an end product with a you know that people enjoy rather than a product that people don't enjoy as much then you're it's going to hurt your brand yeah so scott mcmillan couldn't call in but he he sent a dm that says i think the decision needed to be made i made i, I may be wrong but i feel fdb was trying to fix something that wasn't broke it was like he was trying to fit the players in a system that didn't suit their talents it really hurt him losing nagby fdb wanted a control style game and losing the guy that kept control hurts also joseph could cover a myriad of mistakes that put another nail in the coffin and not scoring in the tournament buried him my opinion only uh yeah not not a bad opinion at all i know that you guys have kind of been there's it's a, a ton of messages in the trap and stuff to keep yeah up and, and and apologies for whatever reason i'm getting the message i don't know if kevin and dan and pierce if you guys are seeing the messages in Streamyard, but they're yeah. like trickling in very slowly oh like are they on my screen anyway, I don't know if it's because I'm host, but I'm just now getting stuff from like 10 minutes ago. Oh, it's yeah. 10 I, minutes do behind. I do see that. Yeah. But yeah, again, so. why you guys need to call in, put your put your face where your mouth <laughs> is and uh, show at Get Home Before Dark or Twitter, Home Before Dark B and the number four. Um, yeah, I mean, so here's another question, Pierce. One of the things that keeps coming up is Pitti Martinez, right? And how he's fit in Frank's system versus coming off of a South American player, player of the year run uh, prior to coming to Atlanta United. So one of the suggestions that I had seen on Twitter following the news about Frank was that does the new coach come in and rather than trying to get all the players – to conform to their system, do they develop a system around Pity Martinez specifically? I don't think we do that. I think that because I'm kind of agreeing with Tioto Football on Twitter, and that like you know I think he had an incredible couple of seasons, but I don't think he's performed well enough or consistent enough for us to say okay, going forward we're going to build around him, especially because he doesn't seem like he wants to be here for that long, anyways. Agreed. And and I think that's always the risk that you run with any player that you build around, right? Yeah, I just think it would be better if we were if we were building around anyone, it would be some of the younger players that we're gonna bring in. So if we bring in like a Jonathan Gonzalez or this new Eric Lopez kid who's really good, 
building them into like the structure of the team, but like building them around one player is probably not something that we're going to do because we're the club that's constantly trying to sell our best players on. So, yeah. Yeah. I think what about, so I kind of see, I agree with, we've never seen pity at his best. And I feel like that's, you can say the same as from Barco and cause Barco is one of the, one of the younger players on the squad. I feel like building a team around Barco is is a better um, idea because I think Barco plays better centrally anyway than on the wings, and I think Pity is an you know he's more of a natural winger. So if you built that central spine around Barco with Pity able to complement him, hopefully that would help both of them out because I think you know you're going to make more money off Barco than you would Pity. And, and this may be me talking out of my depth, but. Would you guys agree that's what Tata did with Miggy? I mean, as much as I think about the success mm-hmm. oh, of, of, of those seasons was a, a team, an offense, and a strategy built around Miggy on a counterattack with pace, right? Like, But you run the risk of whatever that player's gone, what do you do? And does that fall back again? It's back to this discussion again of like, okay, that player's no longer there, and the team has a lag until you have another centerpiece to build the team around. And does everybody get into a revolt over the coach, or is it over the players again? And whenever you're talking about a sustainable system, I think that's ultimately what Frank was always trying to develop was something that would be able to have – key pieces that would switch in and out over the long term. Yeah, for sure. All right, Pierce, thank you for joining us. We don't want to keep you too long. We do have other people popping on. One thing I do want to ask, dream signing as a coach, who do you uh, who do you want at the helm realistically? Let's 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 stick okay. within reason. I think Gallardo is a little unrealistic, but I think Heinz would probably be a good fit. All right. I think that's a pretty popular opinion right now, so Respect uh, it. Where, where can the yeah. people find you at on Twitter? 21 Waves. Look me up. I'm always in you guys' feed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey, man. Love and it. congratulations on nailing that job. And uh, Congrats, man. Yeah. yeah, good job, man. Awesome. It's friggin' awesome to see. Good luck, man. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and being brave and, and joining the stream. We always enjoy it. Great to meet you, Pierce. Thanks, man. All right. I think Domer might be done eating by this point. Okay. Awesome. Maybe, maybe he is eating. That'd be great. No, I'm done now. <laughs> How's it going, man? Uh, a little spicy. Good tonight. Y'all doing all right? Hey, yeah, Domer. Yeah. Oh, how you feeling about the uh, – so we talked to Pierce mainly, you know, around the FDB stuff. How are you feeling right now? What was your initial gut reaction per, per Dan's original question to us earlier? What was your initial gut reaction whenever you heard the news about Frank? Surprised. Very surprised. Um, I had waited until – wanted to wait until we got everything back out because, you know, I, I didn't know if it was a, a knee-jerk reaction or, or uh, what was going on. But if if all of the information is correct about what happened, if he lost the locker room, if he wasn't able to communicate his his vision properly, and that's a very very difficult thing to do is to be able to commute, put your what's going rattling around in your head in a teachable language, particularly for guys that if your your third language is their first language. Um, yeah, to be able to communicate that properly. That three four three system is, is difficult. 
Well, that was one question I uh, that I've been kind of pondering. I think we talked about it last week too. Was and if you guys in the trap, I I'll, I'll pull up my phone so I can see it live anyway. But like, is MLS are we are we too constricted personnel wise and and uh, salary structure wise where we probably don't have a league where a team could properly run a three four three with the amount of talent that you need to run that system. I don't think we would have the talent consistently, but we can, you know, every once in a while, if you, if you have a team that can shift back and forth between a three, four, three and a four, three, three or four, three, two, one, um, that would be something that, you know, you can run rampant through the league with, particularly if you come across where you end up with, if you have a Almiron and a Nagby on the team at the same time, have somebody that's got speed that can fly, that can hit nice passes, and somebody that can feed him. So Nagby's going to feed Almiron, and then Almiron can feed Joseph. So it's having that ball hawk in the middle because you're going from three central midfielders to two. That's a that's a lot of work for two guys to handle in the middle of the field. Yeah. So what do you think? Um, I mean, is a guy like Jonathan Gonzalez, who were who were rumored to be signing on a loan, is he a guy that would help enable? Like, would he have been somebody who could help enable that system to run more properly? That I'm not sure because I believe he plays the six. Yeah, he does. He does. That's um, what I found. So, yeah, I mean, I would, uh, I would think. He, I mean, he would definitely help, but. I would think we're we're more looking for for that eight or, um, an a, I guess an eight that could feed, pity, because since he's I mean, isn't he more of a traditional number ten? Isn't that how he was labeled or sold? That's my I, I think he was. I've kind of seen him have more success on the wings though. Just referencing that Red Bulls game. Yeah. I mean, he's I never need. I mean, he's just. I haven't seen him really want to take the team on as that more traditional 10 role, which is, which I, you know, it's been frustrating to me. That's why I kind of see, see Barco as more of that, that sort of role. Cause he's, he's good agree. on the dribble and um, I know. I, I think but Barco, Barco pity on on the too. Too. but pity also sees those passes that Barco doesn't. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, we, I guess you can say we have, Two, two quasi tens, I guess. <laughs> it's well, like the big you go over quasi. here, you go over there. Right. Well, that's been the biggest issue is employing them both simultaneously and trying to figure out how they work together in tandem on the field at the same time. Is is you know, how it worked? How it worked last year when you have Nagby in the middle of the field? That's he's going to attract that ball. He's going to he's going to grab it. He's going to hold on to it. And you had Pity and Barco in a more of a amorphous role in right. being very, very fluid behind Joseph. So Nagby's pushing that ball forward to either Barco or Pity, who is going to feed Joseph. Yeah. So it's having that guy who is going to trap the ball, having that guy who's going to feed Pity and Barco, the, you know, the pass before the assist. That's yeah. that's the guy that we're missing. Yeah, and I know. That's why I worry about the the three four three because you know you you're kind of more reliant on that amorphous sort of blob to work its magic around the field and the the opposing players rather than having that 
like you were saying that that structured build up um, to get you know the ball to from from the six to the eight to the ten to the ten to the striker. You know, and I I worry that we're just not going to have the personnel to pull it off. So I've got an interesting question for you, Domer. Um, I think it's inevitable, or I think it's fair to say that not all of Frank's tenure was a complete wash. And I think that there are some positives, whether it's in the player, de- at, at, at a minimum, in some of the player development. You look at Miles Robinson, um, the incorporation of George Bellow, at least uh, from a minor role so far this season. What What elements of what Frank has instilled – would you carry forward into a new coach signing? I would think that we, you know, we're just looking for a, for a coach that's going to attack, but be less rigid. Frank was very, very rigid. At least that's seemed like to me, it it took a halfway player revolt for him to go back to, a three five two last year. Mm-hmm. So and supposedly Joseph walked off the field too, which you know if, if our the leader one of the leaders of our team, the talisman of our team is walking off the practice field and that's that's not good. Right. But if we can get a coach that can be very fluid, have a, a scheme that, you know, we're going for attacking football, but we can attack in many different ways and not just try to go down the left or the right and cross it in. You know, can we play up the middle? Can we play down the sides depending on the, the opponent and what their system is? Yeah. I I think for me, I'm interested to hear Dan and Tim's comments as well. I think for me, one of the things that I think is a vast improvement over Tata to Frank that I, I, I really want to see get carried forward is less about the attacking. I think that's ultimately what's lacking in Frank's system, as we've all talked about. But defensively speaking, I'd be hard-pressed to, to dispute the fact that Frank's defensive tactics were far better than Tata's, and there was much more thought and consideration into playing the ball out of the backfield than there was under Tata's system. Well, I think some of it comes down to personnel too, right? I mean, Tata I, – I think LGP worked in Tata's system in a lot of ways um, because he was a little more adventurous. He did give up the, the crazy goal occasionally, or he was caught out more often than, you know, Meza is, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it also probably comes down to there's, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, if you feel differently, but the, the development of miles Robinson is kind of asynchronous to the coach, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily like his development has been working in parallel with whoever has been, uh, on, on the managerial side, I feel like he was getting better under Tata. He was getting better under Frank DeBoer and he's arguably the best center back in MLS. And I think that has a lot to do with our defensive record. If nothing else, Kevin, I think that we did play a little more defensive and maybe with that focus on the defense, that's why we were seemingly better than, than we were under Tata or if not better than more predictable and and less more comfortable, to give, Le- less brand. sporadic, less erratic. Like as, as a fan, like as a fan watching, I felt like I was more, I was more shocked. Like when the Red Bulls goal went in four four minutes in to the first game of uh, of the tournament, 
like that, that to me yeah. was kind of shocking just because of how consistent I felt this team has been in terms of our, our, our score or our defensive record, as it were. Um, whereas Tata, I, I honestly don't have the stats in front of me. The Tata regime might've given up just as few goals, but it seemed like you never knew what you were going to get. You would get a four nil shutout and then we would lose whatever it was, five nil to right. or four nil to Chicago, five nil to Chicago. Or was that under Frank? Actually, I can't, I think that, that was under Frank. Frank. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, but we did have some losses. Tata, we had the four nil loss against Houston, right. but, then, but then you go on a championship winning run. Like you don't, it was, it was hard to, to know. And part of that has to do with the parity of the league too. I think is there's so much uh, variability between teams and travel schedules and playing schedules and um, just the talent level. I mean, we talked about playing down to your opponents a lot with this team and, and really, I think any team in MLS, I mean, you see with teams like we joke, but like the way that Pareja's, um, got the Orlando team rolling. I don't know how much of it has to do with the tournament or like Cincinnati, like we were joking about Yapstam uh, being, you know, all those, all those jokes. And then they lose four nil to Columbus and then they make it to the, the round of 16. Like there's just so much unpredictability. We, but I, I did feel like under Frank, we had some sort of predictability whenever it came to the defensive record. And I hope that we do maintain a little bit of that, but, I mean, if I, I would be lying if I said that I wouldn't be happier with a more attacking mindset. Well, it's like we need to get the balance between the two, right? Like we need to carry over that consistency and conser- conservative, conservative, what's the word I'm looking for? It's conservative. Conser- well, it's like conservative, but applied to the full defensive approach. So Libertarian. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> so it's like we need to be more conservatively minded, uh, defensively speaking. But that is a fucking clusterfuck of a sentence. Anyway, we need to be more conservative on defense and way more, I don't know, just, just interesting offensively speaking. Like we need to take more chances, chances be more exciting, and, and get some of that spark back that has clearly been missing from the lineup. Yeah, I want to see more muscle in the midfield. I But isn't that isn't that what Jonathan Gonzalez seemingly brings to the team if you're bringing in a tough-minded center defensive midfielder? I That's mean, what I was I think calls, I I honestly stopped really paying attention to his week-in week-out performance in Monterey once he switched uh over to the uh to El Tree. Because I was invested in him the same way I'm invested in Weston McKenney or Josh Sargent, whoever playing abroad, watching you know U.S. men's team um, prospects getting better and and kind of gauging the future of the team. And I was really pissed off. I, as some people might remember, I was really pissed off that the the USSF didn't give Jonathan Gonzalez a fair shake and and call him up. Instead, we're calling up Kyle Beckerman and and Michael Bradley, but. I mean, you're talking about a kid who's, what, 21 years old and has started a lot over the past few years for Monterey, one of the best teams in Mexico. If not, if I'm not mistaken, they do have one or two titles with him playing on that team. And he has 71 appearances at the age of 21 for a, a pretty big side in, in MLS. I've seen a lot of people kind of um, – Kind of ragging on the ragging on the the signing or the rumors because he's a number six. But I feel like we need it if we're gonna be. I, I think it was Greg Fraser uh, was saying. Let me see if I can find the because I can't pull it up on the screen because of the um, because of the delay. But he said, um, he said Gonzalez will let us play more of a four three three ish 
which I'm more excited about, which I think would probably evolve into like a four, three, two, one in that kind of dual attacking midfielder roles, maybe by Barco and Pity, but I don't know. I mean, there's, and there's other things. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of rambling right now, but I mean, when you're talking sure. about Gonzalez, you're talking about a Mexican player. You're talking about Jurgen Dam. You're talking about a Mexican player. I put it in the show title, but Kubo Torres, former Houston Dynamo striker, also a Mexican player, right? Is, is being, um, he's still playing, he's playing down in Liga MX. He's, he's being rumored with this team. What does that mean? Does that mean Piojo is going to be our manager next year? I mean, are we going to see, are we going to see a Mexican manager next year? I mean, with, I think we've gone, I mean, we're rating Liga Mekis, right? I mean, between Fernando Meza and Jurgen Dam and potentially Jonathan Gonzalez and Kubo Torres, like, what, right. what is so, that? So we got Greg Garza. Well, I think, I think you ultimately need to have a manager that can, again, I think the, the cultural divide and person, personality changes between a European manager necessarily. And if the team is comprised mostly of South American players, uh, a manager that's going to be able to keep the locker room in a state of synthesis between one another, you know? Yeah, I think that I I don't care where a manager is from. I I just want a manager who looks at the squad that we have and plays that squad in the best way that him that they and the squad agree on. I yep. think that is going to be the key to unlocking everybody's potential. Yeah. Any final from yeah from a managerial standpoint? I guess go ahead, Kevin. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Domer, final thoughts. Who who would you like to see coming into uh, the replacement role before we rotate in? I I really honestly have no idea um, who would be the best fit for the team. So, you know, who can we bring in that's going to communicate that can be flexible and get the most out of our players? Um, so um, who that's going to be, I've got no idea. I mean, none of us thought that we were going to get Frank DeBoer after Tata. We were thinking of, uh, you know, all these South American Mexican Mexican coaches. We weren't thinking of, of this Dutch coach flying in under the radar. But so, and I don't think any of us – I'll be surprised if, if uh, the coach that comes in is somebody that's actually been talked about even once. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see FDB coming at all. I yeah. didn't see his arrival coming. I didn't see his departure coming. <laughs> good point. Good point. All right, Domer. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you so Domer, much for coming second. on. Domer, uh, are you in your house? Yes. That is a beautiful stone wine cellar that you have behind you. <laughs> it's actually it's, a dungeon. It's a dungeon. Oh, it's over there. Bar right there. So, gotta, gotta, you gotta have the liquor next to the fire, man. Yeah, exactly. I, I love the stone. Domer, since, the stone. since the people can't see you waving flags and in, in your in your keeper jerseys in the supporter section, where can they find you if they want to find you on social media? Oh, it's Domer Donaldson on every social media. Just keep it easy. Awesome. So uh, or down in the gulch. So it's come hunting, man. Next Perfect. year, maybe two years. Who knows? Who knows? Well, give Casey our best. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks, Tyler. 
why don't you just bring in the other two at the same time? Bring them both in. Bring in the hounds. But Kendrick dropped. Kendrick, get your get your ass in here. Getting really bad feedback from Patrick. I don't know what you have your mic set to, Patrick. Oh, trash. This I'm is gonna trash. I'm going to have to mute for a second. Yeah. This is trash. This is amateur hour. This is what happens when you let the... <laughs> All right, Kendrick, fire it up. I'm going to – I'll uh, I'll see if I can get him in here too. Um, well, I'm glad Domer was able to call in. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. My, my okay. favorite thing is the way these things always go. It's like everybody wants us to open it up and then nobody wants to call in whenever we do. You Story ready to, of your life, ready to test it out, Patrick? Yeah. That's better. Oh, yeah. That's better. Yeah. Okay. Very, yeah. very much better. How's it going, man? Oh, living the dream, buddy. Always. <laughs> so what was your first reaction to the the news about Frank? Yeah, I want a Kendrick on here because he's been DeBoer out since uh, the moment he landed at the airport. I... Uh, I wasn't really on the DeBoer out bandwagon, but I think it's time had come. We, yeah. uh, we've got 11 supporting guys on the team and nobody actually pulling the trigger. And it seems like tactically DeBoer was fine with that. So it, <laughs> something had to change. I have been in that position screaming at my TV, shoot the ball, shoot the ball. And then Bob <laughs> passes it off yeah. to Pity, who passes it off. No, he, he passes it to Pity, who then launches it into the upper deck. <laughs> I'm saying for something against whatever is behind the goal because he is <laughs> very consistently two feet over the uh, top ninety. I'm convinced yeah. he's trying to make more money with the Falcons at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got no defense against Pity always skying it. Though in this tournament, he did get. All his free kicks on target. It, it, yeah, he definitely did, and, and I think it was more Castro's fault on this uh, during the tournament than it was anybody else's. Yeah. Well, we pulled Adam John in to be our our big guy up top and to get on the end of crosses, and then as soon as something goes sideways with the game plan, it feels like he's the first person out. So yeah. I don't, I don't understand if your game plan is to cross the ball into the box, but you pull your big guy out as soon as things go sideways. Yep. Yeah, because you got to have defensive bodies against Cincinnati who's going to sit back and park the bus being a man up for 90 minutes. Really great. Of course, if we were going to live and die by the cross, we probably shouldn't have traded away our top assist guy who's known for crossing the ball in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> for sure. I think oh, we're, getting we're getting some of that feedback again, Patrick, but uh, uh, I'm not sure that? what's going on here. Tim, King of Quality. He's got that. He's got that Folgers can attached to the metal wire. Have you tried shaking it? <laughs> Tell you what, I'll give it one more try. Cut me out for a second. I'll see if I can fix it. <laughs> All right. All right. Try try the rabbit ears. See see. Maybe you need yeah. to lean it one way or the other. Smack um, it around. Did you blow it at first? It's like a Nintendo <laughs> cartridge, you know. Con- Connor Thompson in the trap saying, "Petey for Falcons punter." <laughs> exactly exactly yeah he said pd with the fake punt run the football uh we would be unbeatable until we get the concussion. <laughs> <laughs> so greg Fra- while we're waiting for for patrick to sort things out uh our buddy greg fraser is asking you know the aforementioned kubo torres like what your thoughts would be about assigning like him given his success maybe formerly um i think with chivas usa or if it was not Chivas USA, it was Chivas Guadalajara. He would kind of petered out a little bit whenever he was with Houston. But that is a need on our side. We talked about Adam John maybe not getting a fair shake, but Kubo Torres is 
I think might be younger than, than Adam Johnson and, and maybe capable and more versatile than Adam John. Dan, like what are, what are your thoughts on us going after somebody like Kubo? Um, I think we need that's that person with like a, a really dogged dead eye sort of, uh, attitude. I don't see that from Jan. I see them as a more of a traditional sort of Kenwin Jones type center forward. He's a big guy. He can physically out muscle defend. Can he do a backflip? No, he cannot do a backflip at all. <laughs> well, I don't know. I've never seen him. I, I can't, I've never seen it. Um, I would like to have someone like Torres on the roster it, just to give us something different up front. But I feel like no matter what we do at striker, because we have so much money tied up in Joseph in, well, in a DP slot, slot you're not going to be able to really replace him um, without bringing in another a DP signing. I don't, I don't feel like um, we're not trying to replace him, right? We're trying to make sure that we have some sort of supplementation if and when an injury like this happens. Like you have to have some I, sort of safety net, right? I is, feel like we need to. We're trying to replace his production, and but so it has that's going to mean at that point, right? Like you have to do it by committee because of the, the yeah, absolutely salary restrictions. Yeah, yeah, we have to moneyball it. So I feel like. Um, yeah, if, if Torres can come in and he can do something because, you know, he had a whole bunch of social problems in Houston, maybe his mind's changed, like his attitude and maturity has changed that he can actually put something together. Um, I mean, he was a he was a pretty hyped in Houston and he just never really came through on anything. So if he can do that, then absolutely, I'm, I'm happy for him to be there. I just worry that he's... He's. I worry that he's just not going to live up to the expectations that we want him to. And I, I guess nobody can really live up to Atlanta United fans' expectations. But no, Patrick, thoughts about Kubo Torres? Yeah, yeah. No worries, though. But yeah, uh, keep going. Uh, you know, he, he was good, um, but he wasn't. Joseph Martinez, he wasn't Carlos Vela, you know, he wasn't an elite level guy. But we're not going to get uh, an elite level guy. That's you know, not not for a price tag that can afford so much money in the roster right now. Um, and we don't need it. I don't think anybody in that level is going to want to come in and sit on the bench behind Joseph. So we just got to kind of muddle through until he's able to play again. That's actually a really good point, Patrick. I mean, how much, I mean, if we're going to try and lure a striker, how much is having Joseph essentially in the batter's box getting ready? I mean, you've seen, granted, he looks a little hefty right now. He looks a little like he put on the COVID-19. Yeah. But, but as a striker, if, I mean, I think a guy like Kubo Torres is going to be somebody who sees that and is like, I could play backup. Like I could play backup to the best guy in MLS or the set, whatever one of the one of the best strikers in MLS. Fuck it, he's the best striker in MLS. Like anybody I else, mean, anybody he's else got, feel a little bit better about the weight they've gained in quarantine, seeing the weight that Joseph gained. Like me, even though I know I'm never gonna be as fit as he is, but I'm like, oh, even even a god can bleed. Wound <laughs> <laughs> healing, man. He needs that fat mass. <laughs> he's got. I mean. Torres has anybody coming into this role has an excellent opportunity. Um, 
they just need to be on the field and not substituted before the 40th minute mark to have an, to be able to put that together. So I feel like with someone coming in like a Torres, he has a huge opportunity to like jumpstart his career. I mean, he's 27 now. Um, I mean, he needs to be thinking about his retirement plan. So, and he's probably going to be coming as a low range TAM player. Um, I mean, it's, it, I think it's all mental. It's all mental. He just needs to be like, like a real bulldog trying to go for goal. He fits the stereotypical Carlos Bocanegra target, right? He's a guy who used to be good, very like high, like was high profile, highly touted, and now is down on his luck. And we're we're that we're that girlfriend that's going to try and fix him, right? Like we're, <laughs> we can we can fix you. Like I I know what it takes. I know I know you've had a couple teams, and I know things have gone bad. It's not you, it's them. We'll fit. We got this. We're going to figure it out. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. Just what about the him? Yeah, gently nurture. What about the Jonathan Gonzalez rumors, Patrick? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, be great if it works out. I don't know what sort of money that would be. Um, it looks I like from social media is interested in it. Yeah, uh, or at least following along. Um, our unlimited uh, roster-wise, he's a U.S. national, U.S. passport holder, so I don't think that, that would be a problem for us. Although international spots never seem to be much of an issue with our team, anyways. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah I we think the rumor is what ten to twelve million dollars. If if we go for it's, it sounds like a Heinemann deal, right? It's and what I imagine would likely happen is we're going to bank on getting a if the season resumes, right? We'll get a loan. At least is my thought, loan to permanent uh, purchase. And I don't think I think he would end up being a DP player, probably. Uh, so ten million, million on the loan. What's so that question? With that, ten million is- to purchase, yeah. Yeah. The question with that is that we're going to have to free up a DP slot. And I think the right. first one that we all can probably agree that would actually get signed or sold would be Barco. Do you guys right. think that that happens this year? Oh, this is such a weird year. I don't think anybody exactly. knows what the market's going to look like. I am hoping that – no, he would – wasn't he trying to fit in a, in that under-23 role? So Barco fits in the young designated player, the under 23 role. So I think. Because um, we're not going to be able to sell pity at this point. Like, I, I don't think no. anybody's going to come knocking for him based on his performance. No. I think, I, and, and Martinez, Joseph's not going anywhere. So I think Barco out of the three has the highest potential to garner an offer and a potential um, sell, a sale in the off season, but I don't know, like you said, because nobody knows what the market's going to be like this year. Well, with the league but, being cash strapped, that fourth DP that Arthur Blank's been trying to get forever. That's not happening this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the crafts of the world are going to lock everything down and uh, minimize their output as much as they can. Well, we also don't know what the, the new CBA that takes effect this year is going to do. So until they release the salary figures, which will be around like, I think it's been the 15th of September at least the middle of September when they finally release those that we know what everyone's making. Um, and then potentially with the amount of TAM that we bring in or or those other discretionary funds, that do you end up paying down 
um, one of the DPs in order to bring it or paying down Jesse Gonzalez, uh, Jesse Gonzalez, Jonathan Gonzalez, and in order how to do that, we just don't know enough about the financial landscape of this this league in the in the in this and the future years in order to really make a educated you know guess on that. Yeah. If that comes out and says Russell's making less than 200,000 in DC, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was, I was trying to pull it together a spreadsheet today and I actually DM'd uh, Teodor football. And I was like, what is going on? All my salary information that I've been able to find gives us one TAM player in Guzan. So, um, so he was able to put me on the right path, but it seems like, I don't know. Was this all billable time? You said you were working on this today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit around, you know. Here yeah. And there. Well, so yeah. somewhere there is a business paying for you to talk to Teodo Football. <laughs> <laughs> Lunch hour. That's what it's called. Lunch hour. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Let me look at the timestamp on that file. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Patrick, what do you think as far as prospects that are out there? What would you like to see? And if not a, a specific name, what type of manager would you like to see or what, what traits would you like to see them instill into the team coming in? Uh, I mean, it's tempting to go after one of the Argentinian guys. Um, and it was Independiente's coach is uh, up for renegotiation. Um, Velez Sarsfeld's coach is up for renegotiation. I feel like there's one more South American uh, name that got floated. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got, um, uh, Rafa Benitez is over in China as well as uh, Pellegrini. And I think, was it Rafa that had an athletic article about what life was like in China? And he kind of seemed like he wasn't loving his uh, his new lifestyle and new environment. I mean, those guys have shown they can be quality coaches in the uh, in the past. Um, Pellegrini with, with Chile was, was excellent. Um, but who knows? I mean, again, it's a weird year. Nobody... I think globally knows what clubs bottom lines are going to be like, what next season's going to be like, what personnel is going to be like. Um, so I don't envy the guys trying to make a hire right now. So what do you want to see this team look like going forward? Oh, I want them attacking. I mean, I want it to be more like our, uh, our first two seasons. I don't care uh, if, if we get three goals scored on as long as we score four. <laughs> like, Miles Robinson's it, not going to let that happen. Yeah. yeah. Miles, we've got a, a fantastic back line i think if anything good comes out of uh of the amount of time that DeBoer had it's miles robinson uh, yeah, coming up from the twos bellow coming up from the twos uh even though injury kind of kept him from playing a major yeah. role um so it's the back line i don't worry about but the the attacking yeah and i don't know how much he had in Mesa signing either but i mean a, a huge huge get for this team and has consistently played well you know to the points that <clears throat> dan made earlier about players not having enough time Mesa's one that seemed to jump in pretty quickly and, and find his footing yeah he yeah. did he did yeah i worry I'm hoping that Mazik, so he's 30 right now. I'm hoping that he can hold, he can do a Lorenowitz and stick around for like five more years. 30 is MLS prime. I don't know what you're talking about. Like he's, he's good to go. I know. I've just, I don't know. 
Yeah. I mean, like, how, I love- old is, how old was Chad Marshall whenever he retired? And he was still, like, one of the best. 45, something like that. Yeah, something. At least 52 years old, I think, was what. Oh, Guzan's yeah. going to 50 for sure. <laughs> Dude, could you imagine? He doesn't have a choice, Kev. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So next next season, last question, Patrick. Can or Guzan? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, we've got to start getting can some reps in there. I mean, uh, he he's shown that he's a viable keeper. Guzan is eventually, you know, as someone on the wrong side of 30, eventually Guzan's going to have to slow down. He's, he's going to take a weird jump and then his knee's going to go out. That's going to be it. Yeah. Uh, so, or, or Escobar's going to get sick of getting punched in the back of the head and finally chop his knees out from under him. Uh, that's that's my change for next year. I think we need to take this downtime and send uh, Escobar to some anger management classes. <laughs> yeah. He has uh, put on the LGP mantle of just going True. off on someone randomly. True. Yeah. Yeah. He seems to get carded a lot more than LGP did. Yeah. And yeah. LGP. Got caught in a Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Patrick, for coming on. We got uh, Brian waiting, so we're gonna we're gonna rotate out here. We'll talk right, again soon. Cheers, man. Thanks, All Patrick. Right. See you, brother. Brian, what's up? What's up? What's up? Hey, Brian. I like, I like this phrase. Brian. Trap star regular Brian is joining. I barely recognize <laughs> you outside of a art festival in town or something like I that. I know. It's very bizarre. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm hanging in there. Good, good. So, uh, same question for you as everybody. What was your what was your gut reaction to the news about Frank? Um, that was one of the most surprising notifications I've ever had on my phone. I think, honestly, for <laughs> me, I was like, Are "You kidding me?" Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I guess I'm a little more. I was a little more forgiving to Frank, or I would have been, you know, because it seemed to me like last year was, I don't know what he could have done better. I guess he could have played more like Tata and still gotten the same result. You know what I mean? Like, we're like one wonder goal away from making MLS Mm -hmm. Cup. Mm -hmm. We beat Club America. We go deeper into the Champions League than we did with Tata. I mean... And no matter so, what manager is in there, they're going to have different person because Mickey's gone. No matter what, your players' yeah. rotation is going to be the same. You're still going to have to figure out the identity of this team, no matter what. I, I completely agree. Yeah, and then you know the you know when it started off, it was, I mean, obviously everyone hated it. It was horrible, but then you know seven or eight games in, the team took over and yep. said we're going to play the way we want to play. And he was like, okay, fine, I'll go with it. And then everything was pretty rosy for the remainder of the year. And then, you know, 2020 is 2020. I mean, what do you even say about it? It's exactly. just a disaster for everything. So, I don't know. So, if if the rumors, and I, I'm assuming they're rumors at this point, I don't know if anything's been documented is true, that Frank lost the locker room, or there was some divide, culturally speaking, in, in between him and the players, what are your thoughts on that and what course of action would, do you think this is the right course of action if that is the case and, and if that is the, the main driving reasoning behind their mutual agreement to part ways? Um, you know, for me, I think that's a huge thing. But it's like, I mean, what can you say? It's not like he hasn't lost the locker room before. True. Right? I mean, and after he did, it turned out to be like, pretty damn good so maybe he should have lost it again we should have given him a second chance yeah i mean obviously that's a joke but like 
Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think if that's really true, then this is probably just a really, really great timing for them to make the move now because it's yeah. like the rest of this season is going to be who even knows if they're going to finish it right. and they can begin the search now. Although it's yeah. going to be harder now than ever, you know, to find somebody who's going to just want to go anywhere. I mean, yeah. who knows what's going to happen with this league? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, who? that's that's the thing, right? It's like if you're a manager on the outside looking in, you look at what's going on domestically in the U.S., immigration policy with COVID and everything, and then you look at MLS in general. Like, there's no promise that there's even a, a season coming up soon. Granted, yeah. granted, Tata took the reins a year, well, a year before we started our, our first campaign, right? He was, or, you know, a good bit before. And maybe maybe somebody would want to come in and at least work with Boca Negra and with, uh, with Darren Eels, if even over, you know, Zoom or WebEx, what have you, your your flavor, and uh, and, and manage the, the roster. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the prospects look like at this point. I have a hard time coming up with a list of people that are just sitting out there in the wings just thinking oh man this is my chance this is yeah. this is the thing i want to do right now finally i'm making it, it to the big leagues yeah right no so to <laughs> me it was kind of like maybe that's a that's a case for it being a really poor time to fire frank because it's like you could have finished the season and and this tournament is not a very good reflection of anybody's performance at this point right, right? i mean like Anybody in the tournament. I mean, exactly. everyone thinks like Columbus. I mean, is Orlando's be... succeeding. You can't. You can't put that much stock in it. It's <laughs> the most 2020 thing that's going on right now. Probably. <laughs> I mean, so, um, you know. So but we'll see. I mean, I guess. Dan, you'll know. You're the money. You're the money guy. How do we have to pay? How much are we having to pay Frank out? Didn't he have a five-year deal? Something I like guess that? it depends. I think if you have a contract and you are let go by the organization you either have to pay the contract out or there's some sort of severance pay you probably have to pay the contract out yeah so that's what if there's a mutual agreement though exactly but, yeah it's still they probably know, they probably settled for some amount that wasn't the remainder of his contract potentially yeah. they could have they could have done that but i mean I think they probably paid it out because you want to make sure that your reputate like the reason it's a mutual agreement is because of protecting each other's re uh, reputation within the inside business of of the world of soccer. Because of course the fans are for? probably five trillion. Um, <laughs> no, I can't, we don't, I can't imagine it was entirely too much. I, I I bet it's less than most college football coaches get in the U.S. To be honest, like <laughs> oh, I, I surely yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. At least the I, mean, good I, ones. I don't know who the, I, I would imagine that Bob Bradley's probably the highest paid manager in, in MLS right now. Um, but, know, but managers don't have to conform Ooh, to yeah. the um, financial obligations of the, the MLS teams build up. They are completely separate. So you can pay whatever they want. I mean, it kind of brings you to the fact like if Atlanta United are trying to make a global brand here, I mean, this really needs to be an eye-popping signing, I feel like. I mean, if you just bring in someone like Aitor Karanka or some sort of assistant coach, you're not going to be like, you know, it's it's not going to be a statement signing. It, 
I feel like you're going to be trying to bring someone in that has some tenure below them, like we did with Tata. Um, I don't think Pochettino, but um, and I certainly don't think Bielsa. But well, you know, Bielsa's maybe... not going to leave Leeds, right? Like he just no, absolutely in the Premier League for the first time in God knows what twenty years, something like that. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's not coming. Out. I think I think I feel like we can offer <laughs> Gallardo, my guy. Um, just as much as he's doing in in Argentina, but I get it depends on what he like if he wants to leave Argentina or I. I'm part not... of me, there's a lot of going around that Gallardo is not a realistic signing, but I feel like he potentially could be a realistic signing, but not just because he's trying to coach pity. That's ridiculous. I feel like he, he could be brought in because he's interested in the academy. That was one thing that River, that was a demand from him to River saying, I, I want to be involved in the academy production. We have an academy here. I'm sure we'll give him that sort of control just because that was a reason that we wanted to bring Frank in. Um, and he he's... He his mantra is to like stick with these guys who he can develop into excellent players, like he has done with plenty of other river legends. And I feel like that's someone who we could really deal with. Um, trying to bring in these younger guys, flip them for a profit. That's what we're trying to do here. Fair enough, Brian. It sounded like you had a couple couple points that you wanted. <laughs> no, it was a joke, but now it's too late. Oh, it's past. So I, I do have say, two What's Maradona doing right now? If we're trying to make a statement signing, probably doing yeah. coach. Yeah, Mostly cocaine. Probably I saw right that, a trap. I saw somebody put in the trap that I don't think we. I can't remember. I, I'd have to scroll up and find it. But like, I don't think we want to point the DEA on us. Like yeah. we don't want the DEA. I like that heat. Yeah. Um, so two questions for you guys real quick. Um, Joey Aletto in the, in the trap says, I would love to know what Carlos and Larry were discussing during that Columbus game. Oh um, yeah. So I didn't even see that because I was watching on the stupid freaking sky, sky cam because ESPN plus is a joke of a fucking subscription service. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. what's the point yeah, in having us what's what's the point in having a service if you're not even going to play the games that are on your networks for well fuck's let's, sake. let's be let's be fair Kevin. i i pay five dollars a month to watch fights that's pretty much <laughs> my, my yeah. favorite my favorite thing is watching nick tunes on my disney plus subscription yeah no, no, no. <laughs> fuck are we talking about? disney plus i love disney plus <laughs> so i didn't even i didn't even see that happen and i saw josh bagriansky post and i was like huh shit like that is very like very curious to see that that going on in the dugout and just to know Frank has been very detached from the team. Was this something that was going on prior to the uh I see Dan's reaction. I'm pretty sure it's to the Jackson Conway thing that just Yeah. <laughs> what? Breaking news. Jackson Conway scored his his uh, scored a goal for Atlanta United too, took his shirt off, <laughs> forgot he was forgot he was on a yellow and got sent off. So, um. Poor guy, poor guy. Oh. Um, no, but like, was was Frank's body? Oh, no, like, credit like, to Gregory Fraser for putting that up. That is insane. Yeah. Um. So, like, with that, with Frank's body language, with Boca Negra coming down into the dugout and seemingly talking tactics with, uh, with with Larry, like, 
was the writing on the wall before the like was this something that was decided? I think, the I think it ha- I think it happened before that conversation with Larry and Bocanegra. I think the fact that he attended the matches spoke volumes. Like the why was why was he there to be like that's I don't think that that's necessarily common practice for him and Darren to be attending it in the the format that they were and for what that game meant. I read something that said that they were going to go there to be down with them because they were asking their families, um, these guys to be away from their families for that long that they should make the same commitment. Gotcha. Yeah, I think think at least uh, Boca should be down there because I mean, as a technical director, he needs to be seeing exactly Mm -hmm. what's happening on the field. Yeah, because Lord knows he can't watch it on ESPN+. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) which is funny because angie and i were listening we were in the car uh heading back from somewhere whenever the game started and we turned on 92.9 and it sounded like jason and, and mike conti were having issues with the with the camera view too like they could, they're like we think we think fucking that uh, john gallagher just came in. So hold on we have to we have to confirm it but i don't know if we can blame espn or we have to blame orlando for yes. having the facilities and having a camera angle like that. I mean, the answer is yes. Both? Both. It's both. Yeah. We watched from the pylon cam, the corner cam. <laughs> game, Which yeah. was the best view? <laughs> the pylon cam? <laughs> <laughs> he broke the plane! <laughs> well, it has to go completely across the line in uh, yeah, soccer. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, um, I mean, do you think, Brian, do you think that like it was decided before the tournament? Do you think Frank was out before the tournament ever happened? Oh, come think, on. I don't think they would ever make a judgment that quickly. I don't think it'd be like, you know, you know what? Maybe maybe it's because they were in Orlando for so long. It clouded their judgment. <laughs> and they were like, you know what? Oh, this sucks so much. What would make us feel better? Let's get rid of Frank. <laughs> oh, I don't think it was that. I think it was probably something that's <laughs> been brewing since the – maybe since they came back to training. Um. I mean, how many games did we play at the beginning of the year? Two? Three? Three, right? Three three games, and mm, I hardly even remember them. So, yeah. <clears throat> and the players, I mean, in, in all, the, all the training shots, the players didn't look super happy. I guess it all can be contextualized, right? Thousands of photos get taken during training. and So know, hear me out, guys. Happy picture. <laughs> you guys have talked about a lot of South American coaches, but what about Jason Christ? Oh. <laughs> Just saying, he's available. What about There's Tim a reason. Cahill? <laughs> Kevin's got a point. <laughs> Wait, what about Tim Cahill as player coach. No, but this that actually uh, that actually leads into another uh, uh, the second question. Question B, number B that I have for you guys is: Will this fan base? I felt like. And maybe it's just because of a, vo- a vocal minority on Twitter. And that's the other thing got to take away from it, right? Twitter's 2% of the population in the U.S. Like, it is le- legitimately a very minuscule amount of the people that from the, you know, from the population that are on there. But, but it's 100% of Atlanta United. Twitter is right. a terrible place. Yeah, it's a fucking horrible dumpster fire. It's a cesspool. It is, yes, <laughs> cesspool. It is for sure. Follow us yeah. at Home Before Dark. That's before Trump. Be in the number four. <laughs> Wallow in our in our type of trash. So the we have a special brand of garbage. Uh, it was like you made surf and turf the night before, forgot you put the styrofoam cartons in there, went on vacation and came back. Um, the I felt like Frank, the temperature that I got from a lot of Twitter, 
was whenever Frank's signing happened, there were two things that he had an uphill battle with. One, Crystal Palace and Inter Milan, 10 years, which to me, I was ready to write off because I felt like he wasn't given a fair shake. I mean, you get... Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean the the coaching carousel in EPL is is comical because of what happens, um, especially the team like Crystal Palace. Come on, you're shit anyway, and like you're you're gonna get rid of a manager who's trying to build something anyway. And they're still um, in the Premier League, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's all Wilfred Zaha wills that team to stay in the Premier League, right? I mean, Roy, Roy Hodgson is pretty. Roy Hodgson is pretty great. <laughs> yeah. I have to give it to um, him. I mean, yeah, as a, as a Liverpool man, or as a, as a Liverpool man or fan, I can tell you that I'm very happy that he's with. Feel like we're getting you off track, Tim. Yes. <laughs> so part two of question number B. Um, oh my B, god! Wow. No, 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 no. For real though. Um, so the two things I felt like FTB had going against him that a lot of people were putting against him right were his tenure, his short tenure, and then number two. Um, he wasn't South American or Latin American for that matter. And he was going to have an uphill climb in the locker room, despite the fact that he speaks Spanish. Um, and that's a question that I have for you guys. I mean, it's all I see is speculation about South American or Latin American coaches, because I want to throw Piojo into that ring or into uh, his, his hat into the ring because he is not, he's obviously he's a Mexican coach, right? So the, will the fan base be happy? if it's not a uh, Latin American manager who gets brought in, because we have seen as much as I hate Bruce arena, he righted the ship and he has the revs playing pretty well. Bob Bradley might be the best manager right now in MLS as much as I don't like him because of his US MNT tenure. Like there, Jason Christ obviously is kind of a joke to throw out there. Granted, I, he did take rail salt Lake to the MLS cup, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, but I, what are you guys thoughts? Like, if is it is it Latin American manager or bust, Dan? I feel like if they so I feel like if they bring in a manager that's not Latin American, yes, this whole thing will come back up, and there'll be criticism that he's not South American. Now, if he wins, if he continues <laughs> winning and plays in an exciting way, the fan base ain't gonna care. Yeah. I think there'd be a lot of like bitching about it on Twitter and then you get four games in and they win all the games and they're doing it by multiple goals and the fans are like, oh, they, they forget so fast. Oh, yeah, because it's all about <laughs> perception, right? I mean, perception mm -hmm. is reality. Frank DeBoer was not the most um, effusive talker in press conferences and therefore his... And and his soccer wasn't as interesting as we had been used to, so therefore the fans are gonna be on top of him about these things um, when it goes bad. Like when it goes bad, like last year was great because he was winning, but when it goes bad, it's like it goes bad real quick, like Enron stock crash, real quick. Real quick, I just want to interject. Jason Christ won MLS Cup with Real Salt Lake. Continue. Thank you, Patrick. Hmm. You're welcome. You're welcome for the suggestion. I'm just saying, out of all the suggestions you guys have made all night, mine was the one that's actually won an MLS Cup. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, and maybe, and maybe just maybe, Jason Christ? maybe, just maybe, Jason Christ's tenure in Orlando is proof that we keep him in Atlanta. Agent Jason he Christ. Drove, he drove that team into the ground. Like he is <laughs> exactly. That, like exactly. He should have a lot of like. He should have a lot of um, equity with our team, right? Like <laughs> with our exactly. family. Exactly. Did you guys know that Bradley Wright Phillips went over to LAFC this year? I yeah. did not know. I did not know that until just yeah, now. I think he was well, he's what their fifth fifty P. Well, I was Some looking event. because you had mentioned Bob Bradley, and I was wondering how many of LAFC's players are South American. Because I think that 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 has something to do with that narrative, right? It's like what, Rossi and Atuesta and Vela. And, well, Vela's from Mexico. He's which, Latin American boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 a 50-50 split between Spanish-speaking countries and English-speaking countries. So I, I don't think that, that my argument was going to carry much weight. But, you know, I think it's less about what the fans think and more about what the players think, right? I mean, and whatever the the engine behind what's going to drive you to win games is mostly South American talent. You want to you want to coach them to be able to manage manage not only the players but the expectations and and what system comes out of that. And so I think that's what's more important to me, regardless of where they're from. So. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point. I think it's like what caused Tata Martinez success was it that he's all a really good coach or is it he's a really good coach plus there was so much of like the stature that came with came beforehand and these players look look at him and they're like you know yeah this guy's but for I think real. That, like well you know, and i think that might be the thing with Tim's point yeah the thing with tim's point about crystal palace right it's like oh we've got we've, we've gone from a coach that we really respected and was renowned to a coach whose last tenure wasn't very successful. What the fuck does he know about coaching? What the fuck does he know about like not only does not only is it what the fuck does he know about coaching, but what the fuck does he know about coaching us and you know what we have to offer and mm. not even being able to communicate and and try to get to some common ground here. So it was like he was fighting this weird uphill battle. So I think maybe Tim to your point, I think what instills some confidence in these players, if 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 the coach is not a South American coach to to cross bridge number two, the bridge number one is they need to have it needs to be a coach that has managed to find some success at whatever level or whatever league they're coaching in. I think that's that goes without saying that their last tenure cannot be seen as a failure. So with that said, I think Jason Christ is out. I hate to hate I hate to say it, guys. I know you guys are all really excited about it, but Brian Daniels, Birmingham City or death. I think Birmingham City chose death. But what, to your point, um, Brian, I, I read like a Paul McDonough interview. Um, he was talking about what they were trying to do at um, into Miami, and they were saying like, well, you know, Atlanta United was such a success. You know, is into Miami going to be the same success? And he was saying that. Atlanta United basically caught lightning in a bottle. We had the fan base. I mean, we had a whole ton. We had like a Patriots winning the Super Bowl 28 to 3 amount of good luck chains going for us. We had Tata doing a whole bunch of research by himself and then contacting the management. We had a huge fan base. We had Bobby Dodd, which turned into a huge success. We had Tata contacting Miguel Almiron and saying, hey, 
Cortea, what you know, Contingo, what a butcher statement. Wow. Try it one more time. No, don't tell him how to say it. Let's see I'm him just struggle. A plastic try it one more fan. time. It doesn't try it really one more time. Try it one more time. I want to hear no. it. So, and then we also had huge success in signing all that TAM guys and getting people like Julian Gressel, getting huge production out of Greg Gaza, who was like an ambassador between the English and Spanish in the locker room, getting Darren Eels, getting Carlos Bocanegra. I mean, having the resources of Arthur Blank. I mean, getting, you know, players like Tito Vialba signed up immediately. Having Alec Carlos Can. Corona, Alec Khan, Alec, exactly. I mean. <laughs> having and then having Brad Guzan able to sign on to it. I mean, there was a Alec can and then <laughs> And of course, like our Lord and Savior Chris McCann, that was just <laughs> <laughs> but um <sighs> there was a lot of things that happened that gave us the success so early on. And I think that there is gonna be have to be more patience from the fan base, even with this next manager, to to realize um the goals that we're trying to we're trying to achieve but i feel like because the front office has the ambition which a lot of clubs just do not have we can get there faster than others i think it's funny that we said that they have the ambition now when they hired frank in the first place it's kind of like to me that's a weird i mean like it's a funny funny way of spinning this because it's like well you hired the guy who was coming off two failed campaigns i mean granted you know you can say whatever you want about the like amount of time that he got but now you're saying he's not good enough when he had a year like a pretty successful first year and you can't count this year I'm sorry. Like, no, you me, can't. It, you Again, can't. Think, and it, it, especially when you look at the roster the moves, room. and I'm not, I'm not, you can't, you can't blame them for the, what they had to do. I mean, Nagby wanted to leave. Cressel, they didn't want to pay him, you know. And then it, the LGP one was kind of a head scratcher for me. But, yeah. um, you know, and, and then Joseph being injured, all these diminished. Room. Yeah, it's way more to do about the locker yeah. room than the results. It, it's got to be. I, mean, I just don't see how you can spin it any other way than that. I think, like, if there's any one person that potentially got forced out because of frank de boer i think it would be lgp i think because i feel like all the other ones left because of legitimate reasons that would have happened with any manager but the lgp one kind of though to be honest with you when he left i was like okay well i'm kind of over it anyway because he did not have a great 2019 yeah he had a lot of yellows man well, especially hey, yeah, come back. Of, like stupid things. Well, especially he, see him come uh, back and play in the league, right? Like his whole—he's with Inter Miami. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know, right? Like the whole—the whole discussion was him wanting to be back with his family and stuff, from what I remember. And then he's right back in the states, like. But he so went to Mexico. About, the thing about yeah. that one is, if I remember correctly, he was one of the one. He was one of the players that was quoted or like interviewed coming out saying that they had to talk in the locker room about how they didn't like the way we were playing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like it's probably a big build up to that, right? Right. So if you had, we're well over time here. Um, if you I, I just wanted as- to point out, Kevin Kevin Escobar piped in with the the best 
comment of the night when he said, and he, he's been quiet, I think, all night. <laughs> the, the trap finally caught up and I'm in this to the video if anybody's watching, but he said, still think hiring one person that is secretly five people would be better. Hire Voltron. And I could <laughs> not agree more. Yeah. Agreed. So, uh, Brian, if you could have anybody right now that's out there that's been discussed or any characteristics about prospects or what you want to see out of the team going forward, what would what or who would they be? Tata, let's get him back, guys. I mean, it's like they're, gonna, they're not going to play a World Cup anyway, so we might as well just go for it. Let's see if we can bring him back into the fold. I mean, I think that's. Oh, most... you meant because of COVID, not because yeah, you're anti. Uh, that's so. Anti that's what I would say. <laughs> That'd be funny though. <laughs> I think I think the play right as Darren Neils and Boca get on the phone is like, hey man, you know as well as we do, CDC's <laughs> in our backyard. <laughs> We're getting fed information. World Cup. Not happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I seriously can't even think of anybody at this point. It just seems like uh, Jason every, Christ. everyone's signed Christ up. in. Ah, Hashtag Christ in. Ah, oh, God, I really hope it doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't happen. Too. <laughs> I hope you didn't like will this into existence by putting it in the universe. Yeah, it's a talpa. It's um, Jesse Marsh or bust for me. I would like Jesse Marsh. Although yeah, I think but that, if he comes here, you don't have the. It's like if he's successful in in Europe, it's because he's still basically doing the same shit that he was doing here, which is just doing the Red Bull thing. Which I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it works really great for them, um, and they don't have to pay a lot of money for it. But that's because they have the academy, you know, and they they've been doing it for a long time. So I think we're not gonna. Mm -hmm. I don't think we'd see the same level of success with him. Just like we're all going to see this NFL season that Tom Brady is just a system quarterback, I think Jesse Marsh is just a system coach. Uh, well, until he wins. Because in, the Red Bulls. No, I, th I think as soon as – well, actually, I was going to say as soon as he goes to Leipzig and takes when, – when does he take over the Leipzig managerial Oh, spot? Hasn't he already done that? I thought he was already doing Is He's he? already, yeah. Oh, is he named uh, Leipzig manager? Leipzig, though. Leipzig is uh, Nagelsmann, right? He's Salzburg, isn't he? Because Adam I mean, went to Salzburg. I, I, I know Marsh Jesse, Jesse Marsh manages Salzburg. He won. Then they won the title in, in Switzerland this year. Um, oh, or in Austria. Three. Sorry, not Switzerland. <laughs> Austria. Uh, sorry. Um, wow. But I think that he was. I thought like he was going to eventually take over the Leipzig helm. I thought that was the whole plan. I think that's like, yeah, yeah. He's no, going to graduate right. to the Leipzig seat. Yeah. Anyway, he's gonna win. He'll he'll win that title with them. You'll be you'll be sorely mistaken when Jesse Marsh beats out whoever Bayern Munich's manager is at that. Point. And when Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay. No fuck no, <laughs> no Tom Brady Super Bowl. That'd be funny though. Sorry, Brian. I got Brian Daniels saying, "Wow, Swiss league." I'm sorry, I messed up between the Swiss and the Austrian leagues. Come Sorry, on, I got dude. I got young Come boys and grasshoppers on. mixed up with that. <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> Kevin knew it. He was like, exactly. no, those, I guess grasshoppers and I, those are all Swiss teams. I don't know any Austrian teams apparently other than RB Salzburg. Yeah. <sighs> all okay. right, Brian, thanks for jumping on with us, man. We appreciate I guess. it. And thanks, meantime, Brian. where can people find you at? Trap. That's pretty much it. I have uh, completely. <laughs> oh, gotten rid of all my social media. Good. Stuff. You're so better, better for it. You're decision. better for it. Awesome. Thanks again, man. Out there. See you next time. So is this it for people who are going to join us? 
Yep. Yep. That's it. So man. I'm going to challenge Michelle and um, I think the longest listener to this podcast. Um, Don't Brittany. say it. Don't say Brittany it. She's never going to do it. She's never going to do it. I am challenging them that they need to be on here. Um, She's never going to do it. So, yeah. Wait, can I post a link? Links won't work in the trap. No. Will no. No, they yeah, won't. Okay. I was gonna post a streamyard link, but it won't work anyway. Never mind. I was gonna say just let it just let it open the floodgates, but no. <laughs> no, so, they're definitely not gonna do it. Um, so I think I was listening to Extra Time the other day, and I feel like this is I mean, Charlie Davis brought up some really good points that in all of these discussions there are no like black play black players or black managers who are even being discussed and it is um i'm assuming that it's it's a product of the system that black you know top black players are not becoming coaches in a u.s system like i know we've got patrick vieira we've got um thierry Thierry but, but those but players like so the name players like kobe jones robin frazier eddie pope tony sane um, Carlos Amosa, Jeff Cunningham, Demarcus Beasley, who I think will be very good, and Tim Howard. But we're hoping that they will get the some of those will get the chances that they they have. So then, next time when all of these coaches are bringing up, it's just just not a whole bunch of white guys. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, to the Tim Howard point, though, isn't he owner of NPSL or are they NASL uh, Memphis FC, right? Um, yeah, he's one of the Mem- co-owners. Fuck Memphis. I am Birmingham Legion, Birmingham City, all the way. He's a <laughs> shitty keeper. Oh, they're they're, they're USL championship. I again, you could yeah, you they know, are. Give me shit about it. I don't know. I get some of those leagues mixed up. So right, I'm I'm a snob. So um, yeah. Anyway, I thought that was worth highlighting because I, I I had not even thought about it until Charlie Davis brought it up, and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah another example of everything that's going on yeah so anyway awesome well thanks guys i'm glad we were able to do this it's well 96 minutes into this podcast yeah i know all right i gotta go put my kids to bed what they're not bed yet what is wrong with the older ones i know man i'm just a terrible father everything everything's off the rails in covid you gotta go put them to sleep (laughs) dan that's right (laughs) just just taste a little bit of the A little bit of mixers. So, yeah. Um, I don't know what we're going to do going forward. I don't know how this show goes on or when. It um, needs to go on, though, right? We need to. Will. Yeah. We need to. I mean, we I'm planning to. to be back next week with all that. Okay. Yeah. So, so here's the deal, right? So, we've got a few matches. <laughs> Richard, I think Richard Gordon brings this. I want to see. I'm, we're going to. I don't know what the odds are right now. Um, bets on Dan doing three weeks in a row. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then okay, Brandon, okay, Scott, okay, okay. Brandon, Brandon Scott says, at least we got Dan back in the trade. All right. We're That's setting right. the line. Brian set the line at plus plus one eighty for Dan returning three weeks in a row. And for what those of you who don't mean? bet, that means if you bet a hundred dollars, you get $180 back. Right. So, so you're going to give me $180 next time. You're a one. What, what is that? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. An 18 to one. No, uh, so next podcast me? you'll give me one hundred and eighty dollars. That's how it works, right? I'm not putting a hundred dollars on. <laughs> okay, pretend no. pretend dollars. 
So we've got games to watch, right? Like we've got the quarterfinals currently ongoing in the tournament. Would you guys be willing to pick one of the four games to watch this weekend? And okay. Absolutely. Talk I'll about take Monday. Orlando and LAFC. Okay, that's the game. So okay, sounds great. So yeah, we got. Oh no, I thought that was just me, and then you guys would pick a different one. No, I want to listen to um, what you have to say and just sit back. And that is it. the most exciting one. I mean, how things have changed. I'm Agreed. really looking forward to Orlando. No, I LAFC. agree. I think that's. I think that's a worthy game to draw attention. And it's a Friday night game too, so it'll be a fun, fun watch. So, uh, Orlando LAFC. If you guys want to tune in next week, we'll be talking about that, and then any news that may come out of home base between now and then. Um, but yeah, this Friday night, we are all LAFC fans, and uh, we'll oh, we watching, are. <laughs> we'll be watching the Orlando. City game against uh, LAFC this Friday night. So, yeah, um, yeah, I like that plan. So we'll plan on that, and we'll talk about that next week and keep it running. I mean, like I said, the tournament still runs until when's the tournament end? The eighth, the eleventh, right? Yeah. So we can get a couple weeks out of it, at least from that standpoint, and then hopefully by then we'll know what's going to happen with the regular season. In the we'll meantime, in the meantime, Atlanta United has mention i know we've talked about um who the uh, who the new head coach will be but they have named the new interim head coach in the meantime right yeah uh, Stephen glass yeah yeah he was hayden christensen played him in that movie shattered glass about <laughs> <laughs> when he was uh fabricating all those stories for the new republic magazine so what do you guys think – do you guys think that there is any possibility that he gets named as the – No. No. Hayden Christensen is the worst actor I've ever seen. <laughs> He's not going to okay. do anything. Okay. Okay. Fuck you, first of all. <laughs> Fuck you, first of all. Num- number Second one, how all. dare you. Number two, he's going to be awesome in the Kenobi series that comes out. I can't fucking wait. No, he's not. He's going to be – I don't care for you, Padme. You're the worst. That's she has terrible. How do you? I know we found out how to boot listeners from the trap. How do you boot? I have total control over that, and I will not do it because I agree completely. I was a Hayden Christensen apologist for the longest time because I thought that um, I was surprised he got another movie after Star. I thought George Lucas was the one who ruined those movies, but Hayden Christensen surely was the. I hate you so much. I hate you all so much. (laughs) God, I'm having horrible deja vu about this right now. I can't even. He's the reason. I feel like we've talked about this before. Episodes one, two, and three. Three was so good, though. And Jar Jar, I still stand by Jar Jar. Three three was only good because the first two were so shit. No! How dare you? No. I I dare. All right. So after the MLS is back tournament, we're going to go back and rewatch Star Wars, and then we'll be talking about that. Sounds good. Yeah, okay. I'll do that. <laughs> That'll be round two for Tim and I because yeah. we did that a couple of years back whenever The Force Awakens was about to come out. Yeah. All right. Um, Thank you guys so much. On. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, if you want to find us individually, where can they find you guys at? Dan? Uh, you can find me at DNJMS. And Timothy? At Tim Herb. 
Find me at the architect. That's at the underscore ARC number one T E C T collectively at home before dark. That's before spelled B and the number four. We'll see you back next week. We'll try to keep it fun and keep it light. Hopefully we'll have some more news for you. Either way, it should be a good time. We'll see you then as always be home before dark. Put on your camo because we're going to invade this weakling lion's den.